1: rest in this program are based on the holy spirit leading of a man called coach
4: i gotta ask you this out there christian america
1: it's time for pass the salt with a coach dave daubenmeyer
4: hey sorry for a little bit of a late start here this morning uh having some technical issues probably i need to reboot my route or whatever the heck that means so if we happen to freeze up here, I apologize to you. If I do, I'll go to my phone. I got I got my phone beside me. <laughs> we have to go to phone broadcast. John said, the uh, webmaster said, go ahead and reboot it. But I, how do you do that? What do I unplug down here to reboot it? Two minutes before the show starts. So uh, we're up there rolling good. Appreciate you all being with us. Uh, man, oh, man, oh, man, I'm full of it today. I know I always say that, but I'm... I'm, I'm uh, being full of Paul said he hasn't been getting the links. Are we still sending the links out there, Johnny? Yes, Are we sir. still doing that
6: every morning? go to your phone.
7: to yeah. your phone.
8: Hey Clay, well will hear
7: Seems like it. Coach, swap to your phone.
8: You um, to Clay, step
2: up and maybe take over for a second?
9: No, Check your not 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 pharmacy, me. Benny. Check your pharmacy. Press the unmute <laughs> button. Move yeah. there.
4: There I am back on my phone. Do you hear me okay, Betty? Yes, sir. Okay, sorry for the technical difficulties. You see my green screen here, right? That football stadium that you put behind me, it's really a green screen. Jonathan's trying to reconnect us here. Man, I got some good stuff. I got some good Now I'm popping up over here again. Ay, 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 they say. All right, I'll turn that volume off. Jeez. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's my da- fault I didn't get down here I sooner down this morning. Soon.
8: What's, the feedback? what's the feedback? It's from your feedback. phone. Dude.
4: <laughs> I turned my phone off. I don't know what's going on. Satan, leave us alone here. Get out of here. Get out of here. We like to blame the blame the devil for everything, don't we? We got the hey, we got, I got some. Look, I'm 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 low tech in a high tech world, right? Uh, I don't know anything about anything, technical technical wise. So when John says hit this button, I don't even I what he's talking about. So bear with me here. I'm a coach. I'm not a I'm not a, whatever that, those guys are. I don't do that stuff. Me, uh, prepare to stand, Johnny. Throw that up there real quick. Come on, folks. i love you signed up yesterday. Appreciate it. And again, listen, friends, this is just information, knowledge. And I know that if you cannot join it live on Saturday, you can still purchase the, the whole program that you can share with other people afterwards. We're asking for $30 for you to have that. You can share that. You can have a meeting in your house later on. You can watch it by yourself later on. You can go back and reference it later on. This is information. I'm, I'm not here to try to get you to buy gold and silver. I'm not here to try to get you to uh, get your affairs. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff. This is an information highway, and that's what Prepare to Stand is all about this Saturday. You say, well, coach, I'm not going to be home. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to watch it live. You'll be able to have an a- access to it that you can watch it whenever, with ever, wherever you, wherever you are. Okay, cool. Coach, get back in gear, man. Get it back in. Let's, let's get rolling here. Uh, I'm one of those uh, I watched a Deion Sanders video yesterday you guys know who Deion Sanders is? Some of you do, some of you don't And uh, Deion Sanders is now the football coach at the University of Colorado I'm going somewhere because a lot of times people say why are we talking about sports? Because sports is the greatest analogy that I could ever give anybody ever anytime in regards to the war that we're fighting against there, it's, there are two teams in this war, friends. The Bible tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, which strongholds are the other team's weapons. It's their mindsets. It's the way we think. It's the way we act. It's the patterns of our lives. It's our default position of worry and being afraid and all that stuff. And we are not supposed to walk in that. We're supposed to walk in liberty, which Christ has given Right? That's what we're supposed to do. And so. Uh, this coaching thing going on, which is what, when you guys come here, I'm not a pastor. Are you looking at me? I don't ever want to be one. I don't ever want to be called one. I am not a pastor. Because as soon as you hear pastor in your head, it conjures up a thing that I don't want to be. Now, I'm not making fun of you guys out there that are pastors. God bless you. Do what it is that the Lord's called you to do. But I'm a coach. I'm a coach. And I watched what Deion Sanders said. I'm going to play it here in a second. What Deion Sanders said yesterday, I thought, peasy, that's me, that's me." Hey, you know what coaches do, Gino? Hey, Robert, Bob, Bob, Roy, Betty, Myra. You know what coaches do? Hey, Jeff. You know what coaches do? Coaches hurt feelings. That's what coaches do. I was watching something today, and all of a sudden, I realized I was watching Deion last night. And I thought, daggone, gone, that gone, that is it. Coaches hurt." feelings roger's hands up it's got me distracted go roger and then i'll then we'll get into this well hurt some feelings today
10: well well, the the
7: concept of team sports dave and football your background you know that pulling guard doesn't do his job i don't care how good that quarterback is in leading Mm -hmm. the team i think that's the great analogy i did not play uh, competitive sports very long in high school but I think of football and the teamness and the huddle and the coming together, the fellowship in the locker room. It's unbelievable what you guys all experienced. And it is a great analogy. Uh, If if you're on a team and everybody's important, so I won't preach to the choir, but in a team sport like football, everybody's important. And if you don't do your job, the team suffers.
4: And it isn't about you. It isn't about you. Yes. and what we have made in America. I was telling. I was telling. My my, my computer's spinning here. I don't know what that's going on. Uh, it doesn't affect you guys. I'm so. Let me explain to you again. Sometimes I'm looking up here because it's my my monitors here. Okay, because I hate it when people don't look at me. So please, please understand that sometimes when you're talking to me, it doesn't look like I'm paying attention. I'm actually watching you as you talk up here. Okay, so so did you get it. When you're speaking to me, Roger, I'm looking at you up here. That's where my monitor is. Okay. So. And he's gone.
8: I don't know what's going on here, but we'll get it straightened out. Because this is – listen, this is going to
4: be a best of. I think every day is a best of, but this is going to be a best stuff. All right? So Deion Sanders uh, – doesn't matter. De- Deion Sanders is a professional football player. Not only that, Deion Sanders played professional football and professional baseball. Did you know that? He played for the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys at the same time. I mean, I that, that is unbelievable. And they called him Prime Time. So they call him Coach Prime because he, he was – uh bodacious and audacious and, uh, I mean, it's all about him and flashy as a player. And now he's a football. He's a Christian, strong, strong, unashamed Christian man, unashamed Christian man. And now he's, now he is coaching at University of Colorado, which is, I don't know if you guys know, you can't get no more lefty in Colorado that Colorado Boulder, Colorado in particular. Are, are you listening to me? One percent black. Boulder, Colorado, one percent black. So this is he has been hired to go into this white, elite, exclusive place and coach. And he took the challenge, he stepped in to do it. A lot of
8: places he could have gone. And uh only a coach or I come in here every day. And I come here hoping to make
4: you a better player. Every day when I come here. Every day when I went and coached football and I had Coach Norm beside me and I had I had uh, uh, Coach Kaya beside me and all of the coaches and all the great guys that have coached with me in the past. Every day, I want you to know this, my goal was to make them better. Now, not just better football players, but better men. I didn't tell, I didn't share this with you. Saturday night, I went to a reunion of the 1990 London High School football team. Uh, there are guys that were 50 years old. Guys I coached they were now 50 years old, and I sat there, and it was so good for me to hear what they hear them say. What an impact that we'd had on their lives. Now, they took it every day. It encouraged encouraged me to go back. Because see, a good coach, are you listening to me? A good coach will give to you what you can't do for yourself. That's what a good coach does. A good coach will make you perform above what you can perform. Did I freeze up again?
11: No, sir, you're good.
4: Okay, hang on a minute. Somebody talk. I've had enough of this crap. Coach? Yes, um,
12: 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 For the grace of God that bringeth salvation that appeareth to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worthiness loss we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and the Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purity unto Himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Hallelujah.
4: Okay, here's the scoop, folks. Are you listening to me? I'm doing what you're doing? I'm turning everything off and I'm starting again, all right? I'm, I'll be right Back,
6: you stay there. You talk. You do what you want to. You, want, you do not listen. You don't want to miss this coaching session. I'm going to give you. Hang on.
13: Maybe we can play the Deion Sanders video while he's removing. Let's
10: just let's just pray about the uh, Principality of Airways, Heavenly Father. We come before you right now, Father. We 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 shut down the Principality of, uh, of uh, Airways, Father. We ask for complete restoration of the Airways, Lord. We ask you. Uh, we ask for any assignment against this show It'd be broken off father we ask that the that the you surround the coach's house and the, the signal for your warring angels father we ask for complete restoration of the uh of the airwaves for the show that to, to push push ahead your your word your we give you all the glory and all the honor in jesus mighty name we pray amen
12: Amen. Ephesians 612 12-14. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high praises. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins curled about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep it going.
2: You might as well play that video. Amen. Amen, Myra.
3: Conventionally, 60 Minutes doesn't profile the same subject twice in two seasons. But convention doesn't intersect with Pro Football Hall of Famer Deion Sanders. Last fall, we met Sanders in Mississippi, where he was coaching Jackson State to prominence in a conference of historically black colleges and universities. Then, the man who calls himself Coach Prime high-stepped it to Boulder, to the University of Colorado, taking his blazingly singular style with him. There, he hasn't just awoken a dormant program, but has transformed it into the talk of college football, if not American sports. Sanders is revered. He is reviled, but his sudden impact is indisputable. For the second time in two radically different environments, unapologetic as ever, he's shaken the sport like a snow globe.
8: The story will continue in a moment. Hey, John. Uh, are you hey, the change John.
9: agent? Are
6: you the ultimate change agent? I, I, I'm a... Can you hear me, Johnny? Yes, sir. Can you hear me, John? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I'm in now on. John, if you would, John, started in 745 seconds. Everything's thanks. I I don't know. No,
14: it didn't.
6: Hang on, folks. Look, coming in. Somebody like it. Some of you. Somebody like, like it. You Hear me, John. I can barely. Are you guys hearing me?
11: You're breaking up a little bit.
6: Barely. Play it at the 7 minutes 45 second mark. Yes, sir. Go ahead ahead and start there. Okay, now, folks, are you hearing me? Yes. This is so frustrating. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. The job of a coach is to get you
4: to do what you cannot do on your own. Now, listen, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to play this clip for uh, Coach Prime. I'll tell you when to shut it off. And then after you get done with Coach Prime, I want you to play the, the clip from Mark Driscoll
6: at 1.5 speed. Are you with me, John? You following me? Yes, sir. Play, play starts to Coach Prime. For, I'll tell you when to shut him off. Because he's going to tell you what coaching's all about. That's what he's going to do. He's going to tell you what coaching's all about. It's not you getting your way. That's not what it is. Christianity is not about you getting your way. Christianity
4: is getting you to conform to the image of Christ. And sometimes that means not doing what you want to do. And sometimes it means doing what you don't want to do. That's what discipline is all about. So this is what Coach Prime, Deion Sanders is going to talk to. It's about a two-minute clip, Johnny. And then we're not up and running by then. And you get the Mark Driscoll thing ready to go at the 1.5 mark. We got her? All right, bud, let's go. And I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get stuff going here.
3: Market for athletes to find new schools. I promise you it's my job to get rid of them. And make room for superior talent he planned to bring in. More than 50 players eventually transferred out. You got here and you didn't pull punches. You told some I, of these have guys. I, have I ever?
15: You take a team that's won one game and you fired a whole coaching staff. So who did the coaching staff recruit? The kids. So the kids are just as much to blame as the coaching staff. And I came to the conclusion that a multitude of them couldn't help us get to
3: where we wanted to go. You told most of these guys, the more you jump in, the more room you're gonna make. Those of you we don't run off, we're gonna try to make you quit. Yeah. You made it very clear. Yeah,
15: now if you went for that, if you was, were able to let words run you off, you ain't for us because we're old school staff. We coach hard. We coach tough. We're disciplined. Millions. So if you're allowing verbiage
3: to run you off because you don't feel secure with your ability, you
8: for
3: us. Some kid said, you know what? No, I'm staying. You're not going to run me off with your words. Right. Stay. So prove it. I'm sure that your straight talk was appreciated by some, but is, is this scorched earth policy good for, for college football or for the kids? I think truth is good
15: for kids. We're so busy lying, we don't even recognize the truth no more in, in society. We want everybody to feel good. That's not, that's not the way life is. Now, it is my job to make sure I have what we need to win. That makes a lot of people feel good. Winning does.
3: i, I got to push back on this. You're, you're a father of college Five. athletes. Yes. If they called you and say, hey, we got a new coach, and they're telling me to get in the transfer portal.
15: i say, son, you must, be, you, you must not be doing well. That's what you said. You you must not be doing well because you should be an asset and not a liability. I'm honest
3: with my kids. His kids include Shadur, the star quarterback, and Shiloh, the starting safety. Do you guys have any idea that you were going to be this good and capture the country
13: the way you have? Yeah. You did? I mean, we both didn't come here, have our dad coaching just to lose.
3: A year ago to the day, we watched Shadur fling and zing touchdown passes at Jackson State. But there were questions about whether he could do the same against stiffer competition. Well, in his first two games at Colorado, he threw for nearly 1,000 yards without an interception. You're putting up big numbers at Jackson State. You're doing it here against teams in the Big Ten, Big 12.
8: Must be the, gratifying. Yeah, you no, know, these two games was the most yards i
9: Portland all to pieces Let Chicago go to hell As people leaving New York City Like they rang the fire bell They call themselves enlightened Cancel those who don't agree I wish all these folks Who claim they're woke Would just go back to sleep I'm just saying have we all lost our minds? I'm just saying. Where do we draw the line? I know y'all think it takes balls to be singing what I'm singing, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying what you're thinking. I believe in living a little live. We're all free to each their own. If you were born a he would you want to be a sheep? Do your thing, leave my kids alone I'm just saying Have we all lost our minds? I'm just saying Where do we draw the line? I know y'all think it takes balls To be singing what I'm singing But I'm just saying, I'm just saying What you're thinking We send them off to college To get them educated They send them back to us indoctrinated. How much are we paying? I'm just saying, have we all lost our minds? I'm just saying, where do we draw the line? No offense, it's common sense, it's the direction that I'm leaning. Some of y'all think it takes balls to be singing what I'm singing. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, what you're thinking. Yeah, what you're thinking.
4: Jonathan, go ahead and turn that off. folks, look, I'm 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 back on my phone. Jonathan. <laughs> this is incredible. Uh my computer says I'm not online. No internet. I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to log on. I go to I go to Google to log on. It says no internet. What does that mean, John? Okay.
12: Godly.
4: Here let's do this. Well, we figure this out.
2: Coach, can I make a quick suggestion?
4: Yeah, just but I mean, I'll listen to you. to you.
2: I'm in a bad mood okay, already. But, go ahead. Okay, okay, it's fine. But just go to your whatever source you get your internet from. gives you a box. You just reset that. You unplug it and plug it back in. I don't know if you tried that. I did
4: that. I did that. Are you guys here? Can you guys see me now? Am I doing okay now? Yes. You, okay. He goes, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to give you some coaching. I'm getting really, really distracted. Did you see what Deion Sanders said? Did you, did you, you guys understand what Dion Sanders said? And it's something that some coaches, some pastors around America need to understand, right? And Hey, look, not everybody pl- can play on my team. Not everybody's going to be on my team. He said, you may have great skills. It may be good. But if, you're, if you are not fit for this team, then go someplace else. It's fine with me, see. And, and the church has just the opposite. The church is just the opposite. You come in here with your own agendas, your own plans, your own reasons, all this stuff, all the, and, and it ain't going to work. And so Deion Sanders went into, into Colorado, and he said, hey, look, uh, if the coach isn't playing you, the problem ain't the coach. The problem is you. What's going on? That's kind of that's what Deion was saying, right? And so we don't want to hear it. And what, what did he say? He said, those kids love me because why? I tell them the truth. I tell him the truth. That's what he said, right? There's too many lies going on. And so he goes to a guy and says, listen, if you don't fit into our agenda, maybe you ought to go someplace else. Hey, if you don't like what goes on at Coach Dave Live, maybe you ought to go watch Joel Osteen. Maybe you ought to go watch somebody else. But the reality of it is, if you're going to play and you're going to be a soldier and you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to have to suck it up, baby. You're going to have to get tougher, baby. That's, that's it. See, that's, that's what some people love about this and some people hate about it. I, and I, you know, I get emails all the time. I'm kind of venting right now. I get emails all the time. People say, oh, he does so much yelling. Oh, you sissy. You
6: sissy. Listen to what I say. Don't listen to how I'm saying it. I'm a coach. You've been around some soft pastor too long. Because you've been around some soft pastor, you've turned into a woman. Talking to the men.
4: And the women are, oh, my goodness, don't get me going. Okay, so I'm going to catch my breath here. I'm going to try to figure out why my internet doesn't doesn't matter, because I I can do it from here now. i got this working. I want you to pull up Mark Driscoll. It says, hang on here. I'm going to look over here on my chart. It says five, number five, number five, Mark
6: Driscoll. I'm going to tell you. Do you have it? There it is. Okay, 1.5 speed. Hey, folks, let me get it up here. Are you taking notes? Are you taking notes? Because we're in a freaking spiritual
4: war, and some of you are not tough enough. And some of you go to a church where the pastor doesn't raise his voice at all and comes around and rubs you on the back. And then when you get in the midst of a war, you ain't never been in one. You've never had your toes stepped on. You've never had anybody criticize you. You grew up on a day when
6: everybody got to get a trophy and everybody got to play. And that ain't the way the world is, baby. That ain't the way the world is. People don't like to be yelled at. That's why people turn me off. They say, well, he yells so much. Yeah, damn right I yell. That's what a coach does. Why? Because it's the only way you listen.
4: I'm not going to say, well, coach, not me. You raise your voice, and it just reminds me of my dad. And it reminds me of <laughs> Quit sucking your damn thumb. Grow up. Grow up. Man up. Know. Man up. Okay, so. So here's Mark Driscoll. What did, what did he call it? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is good. This is good. Played at a 1.5 speed. Hope some of you are taking notes. Go Here ahead, John. The These are the big to-
0: cultural crisis that we're dealing with in our day. Number one, men are encouraged to be boys or girls, but not men. When my daughters were little, they would dress up like princesses. Now we're telling fathers to do the same thing. It's a broken, corrupt culture. And for you young men, they're trying to keep you in adolescence and childhood and boyhood as long as they possibly can, so that you're overmothered, underfathered, dependent on the government, broken, and ultimately no longer a productive member of society. Number two, men are not launching. How many of you guys are the young guys? You're in your 20s? Your whole generation is a failure launch situation. Here's what the research tells us. How many of you are dads, and you've got a son, right? How many of you? You're looking at the world, you're saying, okay, is my son going to be able to launch? We're going to need to help him. Because here's what's going on statistically. Um, This is from CNBC, and it comes from the Pew Research Report. Young adults in the U.S. are taking longer to reach key life milestones uh, that impact finances compared to four decades ago. In 2021, adults who were 21 were less likely to have a full-time job, be financially independent, living on their own or married, or have children than their predecessors from the 1980s. Here's what I'm telling you. The generation today is the least impressive and the worst launching generation of men in the history of the United States of America. Waiting longer to marry waiting longer to leave home waiting longer to have a job with no intention or plan of ever launching And what the result is what we have now is we have a record number of overmothered, underfathered men And it takes a man to raise a man They tell us that masculinity is adopted and adapted from a father figure in your life And what we've got we've got a generation of young men And I'm not saying this to beat you young men down but to build you up I speak to you with a heart of of a father I've got my sons are here tonight And you men need to know that if you just go with the cultural stream You will be a very unimpressive man for the rest of your life And ultimately what we're seeing is we're seeing young guys are not launching. They're not getting married, having children, becoming husbands and fathers, and launching careers and businesses. What are they doing? They're staying at home. They're living with their mother until their 30s. They're playing video games, they're vaping, they're ordering food delivered to the house because they're too lazy to even go out and get it for themselves. And ultimately they're addicted to pornography or alcohol or legalized drug use, and they're just sitting around and vaping all day. We've taken men who are at the strength in their life and in that season when they should have the greatest vision for their future, and we have broken them and we have sidelined them. Number three, uh, men, uh, men are not working. Uh, it's called, uh, not in labor force, a record 7 million men, ages 25 to 54, are not working or looking for work. Okay? What that is, is that's a whole generation of guys who are in their 20s, let's say, and they're not working and they're not looking for work. If you're an older man, how many of you, you don't even have a category for this. You don't, you're like, you, you don't have, if you're a single guy, you should have at least two jobs. Okay? For two reasons, you have the energy, and if you don't have a wife, you have nowhere to put it, so you may as well go get two jobs. Just something to pray about. But nonetheless, the way this works is we've got a whole generation of men that we have created to be dependent, and not to have them mature so that others can depend on them. Uh, And in addition, men are not marrying. Uh, 40% of millennials and Gen Z ages 18 to 42 don't believe in marriage. They think it's an antiquated, outdated institution. And here's what you need to know. The whole world is built by men who have women and children to feed. The reason that a man gets out of bed and goes and works a job, pursues a career, takes a chance, launches a company, he's got a woman that he loves and children with his last name, and he feels this God-given level of responsibility to provide for them. As soon as you take away a wife and children, you take away the motivation for a man to carry the full responsibility that God intends for him to carry as a man. Furthermore, men are marrying far later than ever. The average guy today is well into his 30s by the time that he does have his first marriage. And what we see is well, 25% of 40-year-old men in America have never married. 25% of Remember that show, the 40-year-old virgin? These guys aren't all virgins. I'm just telling you how this is working. So men are not marrying, but what are they doing? They're living and sleeping with multiple women with no intention of ever marrying. And so what you've got as well, you've got an entire generation that are cohabitating. And now what you're starting to see is two things happen. Women who go to college, which men don't, and women who are in the workforce, which men aren't, are having a hard time finding a man to marry. So they're doing one of two things. The younger women are marrying the older men, the dirty old guys who can afford it. Or number two, they're becoming lesbians. The whole trend toward transgenderism and lesbianism is in large part a number of women who would like to get married, but they can't find a man, so they decide to be lesbian. And then number five, men are not fathering. Um, one in four young adults today are saying that they are not going to have children. And what you're seeing is for the first time in our nation's history, the majority of children born to women 30 and under, those children grow up with no father in the home. The majority of children at some point in their lifetime have no father or father figure in their home. And now the next generation of men, 25% of young men are saying, I have no intention of ever having a child. And then lastly, um, and I will say this as well, many men don't want to have children because they don't want the responsibility. And number two, many men who have children don't carry that responsibility. I'll give you some statistics. Um, one in four children today in our country have no father in the home. That's 18 million children have no father in the home. The majority of the homes are single mothers, not single fathers. And you just need to know this. If a kid grows up in America, they are 300% more likely to not have a father than the other nations on the earth. Technically, statistically, this would be one of the worst countries in the world to actually be born if you wanted to have a father. And so let me just tell you this. You men are a statistical anomaly and miracle. Like, some of you guys didn't know this, but going to work today made you special. (laughs) Some of you, how many of you guys are married? You're the weirdos and the outliers. How many of you are the father of a child? Okay, you are a statistical minority. How many of you have more than one child? You're a total freak. Okay, and thank you. Because when everyone is wrong, you're the oddball if you're the one getting it right. And that's the world that we live in. And what happens today as well, if you don't have a father in the home, the odds of a child having mental and behavioral health issues is up 200%. If you don't have a father in the home, the odds of growing up in poverty go up 400%. If you don't have a father in the home, you're 500% more likely as a child to have a medical or um, emotional disorder. And what do we do with the little boys who manifest these issues? We medicate them. We say, you know what, there's something wrong with you. You're angry and acting up. You don't have a father, so instead we'll give you a pill. And then we'll put you in school, and then we'll cause you to question your gender and then maybe we'll mutilate your genitalia. And then we'll make sure that you never grow up to be a strong man. And what we don't know what to do with the strength of boys, we don't know how to direct it, so we castrate it. And this is a cultural crisis. Uh, Number six, men are not leading. Statistically, more women than men are in church, more women than men are in college, and more women than men are in the workforce. And so men are not leading, men are not launching, men are not marrying, men are not working, men are not fathering. It is a complete and total cultural crisis. So this is the problem. And I would tell you, if we fix the men, the men will fix everything else. That's my thesis, that's the whole heart of real men. And you could look at it and say, well how do we fix all these problems? If we have better men, those men won't cause these problems and they will fix the problems caused by the bad men, that's what the good men will do. So we are here not to just complain, but to be the solution. You men matter, your family matters, your marriage matters, your kids matter, your legacy matters. For those of us who are now grandfathers, your grandkids marry. your they matter, and your, and your ministry matters, and you guys matter to us. And so here's what we ultimately need. We don't need bigger government, we need better men. And what always happens is the worst men Increases the size of government. If the men do their job, you don't need nearly as much government. We live in a day when we don't need bigger government,
6: we need better men. Wow, I think I'm back. Am I back? You hear me?
4: Wow, was that? <laughs> we hear you. Oh, I. I well, it's not my fault. I apologize. We're 37 minutes into this thing, and this was such good stuff that I wanted to connect what Dion Sanders was, was saying with what Mark Driscoll was saying with what I was saying is, listen, if you come here, I'm going to coach you. I'm not going to rub you on the back and tell you how brave you are. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can do more. No matter how, I don't care if you got 17 degrees and 37 trophies on your shelf, you can do more. And that is not the message that we are hearing. The message that we're hearing in America today is what? everybody's equal, everybody's Give them this and don't discriminate and do this. How come Deion Sanders could play football? I wanted to play for the New York Yankees. How can he play for the Cincinnati Bengals and the New York Yankees? That isn't fair. That isn't fair. Folks, life is not about fair. It's not about fair. And I got to tell you something, the same effeminized attitude has crept into the church. That's That's why when people tune in here, all the new people at the Patriot Party News or what, they ain't never seen anything like this. Yes, they have. You know what? Some men, some men, their heart starts pounding. Hey, if you're a man out there and your heart's pounding right now because of what I'm talking about, give me a thumbs up. Would you do that? Say, yeah, coach. Bring it harder, coach. Bring it harder. Bring it more. Bring it more. Bring it more. Bring it more. And what are the women saying? Oh, he yells. Oh, he's so yo. Oh, oh, tolerant, diverse. Are you with me, friends? Do you understand? Do you understand that I'm yelling at you because I love you? Do you understand that somebody's got to shake you out of the doldrums you're in?
6: Do you understand it? Do you understand we're at war and you're asleep? Amen. You go to church on Sunday and your your pastor's up there rubbing your back.
4: That's all he wants to do. Rub your back and make you feel good. And at the end of the service, go stand at the door and shake your hand and say, oh, wonderful, sir. What a wonderful sermon today, pastor. Hey, I, I'm telling you what, when I'm done in the pulpit, I hope I got to sneak out the back door. That's what I hope. Because why? It's what a coach does. It's what Deion Sanders just said. He just said, hey, if this is too tough for you, well, maybe you're in the wrong place. You're not playing. You're not getting it your way. Well, maybe it happens to be you. Maybe it isn't the coach. Maybe it's you. You aren't. You aren't adding up. You aren't stacking up, right? My frustration is sky high because why? <laughs> I couldn't get in here and roll this thing out the way that I wanted. I wanted to roll it out. Now I got. Uh, I might. I might go. Well, boy. Yeah, man. See, because now with the other show, I got to be done by the top of the hour. It's the way the show works. Okay, so stay with. So go to boundaries. Go to boundary. I'm going to walk you through something here. Hope to walk you through something. I told my grandson, told our grandson David. He's uh, I think David's six. I don't know how old he is. Playing bitty football, and uh, I'm an old football coach, and so I take him to the football game. Got his uniform on, his helmet, sitting in the car, mouthpiece in, ready to go to war, and I said, David, listen. Your job is to make the guy on the other team cry. You understand that, David? That This is a game. And they have rules and they have referees who are out there, and their job is to make it, make it fair. But your job is to make that other guy cry. Because if you make him cry, David, he'll quit. And if you make him quit, you're going to win. In the game, right? In the game. You ever go to church, Pastor allowed to make you cry? No, 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 no. Not make you cry and that he tells you a sad story. That's what I'm talking about. Make you cry because you're so daggone frustrated with what he's saying at you. And it's not talking about me. You're talking about me. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? You see, that's where we are. And somewhere along the line, we've lost men. We've lost men. Now, what I'm going to put up on here is, what's it say? Cut the feed? John said, I, I don't know, I, I'm so distracted. I came across this, it's been bubbling in me for about four days here. I want to get it up on the screen. I don't even know who this lady is. We talked about setting boundaries. Now look, look listen to me. I'm telling you this for your own sake. Some of you have wayward children. Some of you see, Some of you have grandchildren that you see are not are getting figured out. Right? Y'all, y'all with me? Some of you don't get it. So I want to share with you. I came across this. Oh, my goodness. we got to set some boundaries. Huh? How many of you out there, including me? I'm see. I've caught myself looking up here again. I'm sorry. How many of you out there? Oh, pick up your toes. How many of you have a relationship with your children or your spouse where you cater to their every need? You don't have to say, you don't have to say amen. You don't have to say amen. You put yourself in that position. Now, I've used this example before in coaching because I'm a coach, okay? I ain't a pastor. I'm a coach. I can't tell you the number of times I would have meetings with parents and they would talk about little Tommy not getting to do this, and little Tommy not getting to do that. And I'd say, well, pardon me. Let me interrupt you right there. It isn't about little Tommy. I'm sorry. If little Tommy ain't playing, it isn't because I don't like him because my job is to win. And if little Tommy would do what I ask him to do to the level that I ask him to do, he would play and we would win. But I'm not going to play little Tommy simply because you love him. I love him enough to tell him what he has to do. And if he doesn't do it, then he gets splinters in his ass. He sits on the bench and gets splinters in his ass. And when he gets splinters in his ass, then he'll understand that he's going to have to do it my way or he ain't going to play. Are you with me? See, it's amazing, isn't it, that you can get away with, I can get away with this mentality in a football field, in a locker room, where, by the way, we build men. Can't get away from the rest of culture, the rest of society. Have you looked around at what... Have you looked around at what some college graduate men look like? I mean, have you have you really? Have you really? There ain't there ain't a tenth of masculinity in them, not a tenth of it. Because all the way along, all the way growing up, all of it was about what? Oh, what like they, they get this and they get that, and it's all about Tommy and it's his turn, and that's not fair. And well, who are you to judge? And we've created we've created a culture of wussified men. Wussified men. We have men who are not part of this program anymore, because why? They got their feelings hurt. They got their feelings hurt and they didn't want to suck on the thumb in public. So they went off, took their ball and went home. You know what I'm talking about, right, huh? Huh? Say, listen, it's my team. It's called Coach Dave Live, right? It's not called whoever something live, Coach Dave. I'm the coach, it's about me. And if you don't like
8: it, leave.
4: Right? Now, the question is, why would you leave? Well, the answer is very, very clear. You don't want to be coached, said something mean to you, hurt your feelings. Now, look, folks, listen, I'm talking about your relationships around you. Some of you, some of us, my wife, who I love to death, my wife loves so much it's hard for her to draw boundaries and lines. It's hard for her to do it. Huh? It's a, honey, I'm not telling on you I love you to death. She went away for two days. Thank God she did. She went away and visited some friends, Linda and some of them down in Kentucky, got away from it all. And when she was gone, she found out that the world didn't fall apart. Here at home, we actually, get, we actually made it without her. All 10 of our grandkids, yeah, we made it without her. We did. But if she's here, she is constantly worried, uh, not worried, that's not the right word, she's constantly thinking about who's going to need her, where's the next crisis going to break out? Well, here's the truth, if the crisis does break out, Michelle, it ain't your job to fix it. It's not your job to fix it, because if you always have to go fix a problem with our grandchildren, you will spend your whole life trying to fix your grandchildren. Am I amening with me? You you're tracking with me here today? And it comes down to the fact that we don't understand what I've tried to lay out and what Deion Sanders said. Coaching is about directing. Coaching is, I love those football players so much, I wanted each one of them to be an All-American. That's how much I love them. And the truth of it is, if you play like that, you're not going to be an All-American. You're not going to be able to do it. And if if you are following a sissified Christianity, You're going to be a sissy. I'm sorry. And the devil ain't no sissy. Uh -uh. No, no. In fact, the verbiage in the Bible is that we're going to crush Satan. Doesn't it say that? Somebody help me out there. are we going to crush him? Amen. That sounds pretty pretty aggressive football-ish to me, right? We're going to crush his, huh? And let the God of peace Oh see, oh, this, is, this is so good. Bruise. Bruce. What 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 is that, Johnny? That that cannot be King James. That cannot be King James. Love the God, what? Bruce Satan? Bruise! Some woman got in and wrote that. What's King James say? And the God of peace of Bruce? That can't be it. Well, maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Crushing. And the crushing. Why? We are in a war and we're being, oh, there it is. You shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken, crush him, crush him. We don't have that attitude, friends. And we are, are, I feel like I'm repeating myself. We are heading into a time in America where soft men aren't going to make it. And I'm going to tell you this. Not only are soft men not going to make it, soft families aren't going to make it. And I'm going to tell you something else. Soft men create unruly children. I'll say it again. Soft men create unruly children. And oh, dare I say it, Jezebel women. Go ahead, watch somebody else. I don't care. Go go watch somebody else. And some of you right now are living in a situation in your house and in your family because why? You are letting someone else control the atmosphere in your home. You are, you are I am. I am. I'm, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, but we are, we are. Why? Because we've been sissified in church and told that's the way it is. We're supposed to love everybody. The Bible says whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, he chasteneth; he disciplines. Bobby Knight, the great football coach, I'm gonna open it up here, because look, I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't have time to do justice what I wanted to do because of all the screw ups that, that have been going on in here. Bobby Knight, the great football coach at, University of Indiana, who was a tyrant, by the way. He was a tyrant. Bobby Knight said, when the guy on that basketball court doesn't do what I tell him to do when he doesn't listen to what I've been telling him, he said, I have a very simple solution. I take his ass, he used the word, I take his ass and I sit him on the bench. When he sits on the bench, the ass sends a message to the brain. So it's that simple. I put his I put it on the bench and the bench speaks to his brain. And some of you out there, some of us, won't ever put anybody on the bench. Some of us will never say to our whoever it is, oh yeah, you made your bed, sleep in it. I'm sorry but you're not going to come over to my house and make me miserable because of you not listening to what we told you to do. And because you didn't listen to what I told you to do, you want to come over here and me fix it? Well, I ain't going to fix it anymore. Go find somebody else to rub your back. If you want your life to get better, dude, you know the truth and you're going to have to do it or don't bother me with your problems. Is anybody with me out there? See, this is tough love. This is tough love. Michelle can't do it. She can't do it. That's why it's good she's got a strong husband because I will do it. I will do it. Say, look, you you go. I'm, some of you, I'm talking to you now about your children. You can say, listen, you may do that in your house, but you ain't doing mine. If you think that you're going to come over here and manipulate our family, you not here, you ain't going to do that. I'm sorry. No, no, because listen, baby, one of us is going to be happy. It's either going to be you or me, and I've decided it's going to be me. So if you're going to come into my house, you ain't going to pull that crap. And if you pull that crap, then go visit somebody else. Now, listen, how many of you draw a line like that? We don't draw a line like that. And so as a result, we enable Because see, they've become so, our children, uh, those around us, they've become so good at manipulating us. They know our hot buttons. They know what to push. They know how to do it. And we don't even realize that we're being controlled by them. And so we have to begin to use the right language. And they say, uh, they come over and they're complaining about something. And then we have to stop them and say, let me tell you something. You coming over here, it might help you, but you're messing up my life. So please come back some other time to our own children. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Now, come on. Now, say with me a second. Does God always, this loving, caring God that we have, does he always bend over and let you have your way? Or sometimes does he just kind of pull back and say, dude, sorry, dude. You're going to have to walk through that one. Oh, <laughs> uh-uh, man, that, that ain't flying here. No, 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 that ain't flying here. And so because I'm starting to get my stride. Because we've been taught in church that it's oh that we are just to tolerate and love and huh? Yeah. Remember I told that story about Andre? Andre, the kid I made go out and run, was pouring down rain. I told that story, didn't I? Betty, I tell that story. I think I told that story. Huh? I, I didn't. Can I tell it real quick? A young football player, good guy, good young guys. Uh, This is my second year coaching at London. Andre was his name, big, strong black kid. Not that that mattered. But he's always late. He was always late. And I don't know if you know, are you looking at me, friends? The most selfish thing you can ever be is late. And some of you have a pattern of being late. And when you come late, you tell the rest of us, we don't matter. It's on your schedule. So, when I pick up little David, I'm going, hang on. When I pick up little David and I take him to football practice, you know what I tell him? He can repeat it. I wish you were here, Davy. He would say, Grampy, on time is late. Practice starts at 10. You don't show up at 10. It starts at 10. Are you, are you with me? So, Andre was always late. Always, I didn't matter what it was, he was late. He's always the last one. And uh, he, I'd I'd had enough of it because it affects everybody else. If you let that go on, it affects everybody else. So I told Andre, he lived with his grandma, by the way, lived with his grandma. God bless her because she probably did the best she could to try to raise her her grandson. And uh, I said, Andre, I'm going to pick you up in the morning and I'm going to drive you out of town. I'm going to drop you off and you're going to run in. You're going to run from out of town. You're going to run in. And if you make it to practice on time, I'm going to let you stay on the team. And if you don't make it, you ain't playing. So what? Yeah, I'll be be at your house at 5 a.m. tomorrow, pick you up. So I get up. This is the old days. Probably couldn't do it today. I called my buddy, Coach Mark Hyer, and Mark went with me so I'd have a witness. We drove over to Andre. We got up, and I got up, and it was pouring down so hard, one of the hardest rains I could ever remember. And I got in the car with my buddy, Mark, who by the way, I had coached. Mark, one of my coaches played for me. He was the first quarterback I ever had, Mark Collier. Mark gets in the car with me and it's pouring down rain. I said, Mark, what am I gonna do? And he says, hey coach, I think Andre's ass is gonna get wet. Are you hearing that? Hmm? Andre's gonna get his ass wet because why? He did it to himself, coach. He did it to himself. So we pulled in Andre's house, pulled out in front of the house. It wasn't even daylight yet, and it's pouring down so, rain so hard you can't even hardly. It's amazing. And the door opens, and Andre comes out, and he's dressed from head to foot in plastic bags. Plastic bags all the way down him. Got him an old fishing hat over the top of it, pouring down rain. He gets in my car. That's all I can do not to laugh. He gets in my car. I said, Andre, does your grandma know what's going on? He says, yes, sir. I said, what's she say? She said, "Coach, I better listen to you." And I picked him up, and I drove him six miles outside of town. I dropped him off on the highway, and I went back to practice and went back to the school, just praying that he <laughs> that he got in. And about an hour later, and maybe it's an hour and a half later, we're starting to practice. So I dropped picked him up at five. We start practice at seven. It's two a day practices. So and I. Walked outside of the locker room, and as I walked outside of the locker room getting ready to start practice, here came Andre running down the driveway of the school.
6: And all those guys out there,
4: all of his teammates, started screaming and hollering, ran out towards him as he was coming down that road. He was never late again. It changed his life. See, I was tired. I was tired of Andre screwing up my life. Some of you say amen. That's where you're living with your families. Are you tired of your family screwing up your life? where they're screwing up in your life because you haven't drawn any boundaries, because you haven't let them, as, my, as somebody said to me, you haven't let them sit in their own doo-doo. You made your bed sleep in it, baby, no matter how much it hurts. Every time you rescue your children, you injure them. Now, wait a minute. Not if it's really, really life or death. I'm not talking about that. If it's really a situation that's going to cause them great harm in their life, of course, you have to step in and rescue them. But if it's a matter of you changing your plans because of a crisis they have in their own house, a crisis of their own making, you are a fool if you change your plans to bail them out. Am I getting what I'm talking about here? Anybody understand? Folks, that's coaching, see? That's coaching. It's called discipline, making somebody a disciple, okay? Oh, you're going to live with your girlfriend? Good. That's good. That's good for you. But let me tell you something. Uh, don't you be bringing her over here. What? Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you you know in our family, we don't agree with people shacking up. And if you don't have enough respect for my, my wife and I, that you're going to bring your you're going to bring some whore over? Oh, I'm sorry. She's sleeping with you for nothing. You're going to bring that whore over in my house? No, she isn't welcome here. If you love her enough to sleep with her and maybe produce a grandchild, then you put a ring on her finger. Hey, you guys ain't going to do that, are you? You ain't going to do that. And so what you do is you show them that you don't have any standards. You don't really believe what you mean. You show that you love them more than righteousness. Mm. Oh, this is good. I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm getting into it now. I'm getting into it now, huh? That's the truth. That's what I wanted to talk about today: boundaries. Maybe, maybe I'll talk about it tomorrow. But see, look, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Your family mess up is your fault. You play a, you play a, you play a role in every screw up in your child. They did not do it on their own. That's what Mark Driscoll was talking about. How many of you out there? One in what did they say? One in four. American males at 30 years old don't have any children, don't plan to have any children. Whose thoughts are that? They, 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 do you ever go to them? Do you ever go to them and say, Hey, listen, folks, this is where the, this is where it gets dirty? You ever say, Are you ever going to make me a grandpa? Bible says that's a crown. Grandchildren are a crown. Aren't you ever going to give me grandchildren? You mean to tell me I raised a child and their life is about Then your life is only about you? That's sick. That's sick. Be fruitful. Multiply. Let us all enjoy the fruit. A lot of you are in that situation, right? Because why? We've made idols out of our children. It's 8 o'clock. Can I keep rolling? I don't even know what the heck's going on, John. Where are we? Yeah,
6: hey folks there Patriot Party News, we're
4: streaming. Live. I'm going to go a little bit longer here today. Go to CoachDaveLive.com. CoachDaveLive.com. And we're going to continue on. You can join. Come right on in here because I want to hear some of this reaction. And look, look, Patriot Party News, folks, before you leave, I'm going to coach you. I'm sorry. Remember that song? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Hurt so good. Come on, baby, make it hurt so good. Sometimes love doesn't feel like it should. You make it, bum, bum, hurt so good. See you tomorrow. Patriot Party News, folks, we're still here. Come on in, Keith. Children's services and the court system, they're making a lot of daddies not be daddies. That's You're right. You're not allowed to thank your kids in no more. That's right. How many times have you ever said to your kid, I didn't raise you like that. I didn't raise you like that. If you're going to act like that, stay the heck out of here, will you? We don't want to do that. See, that's tough love. A football coach can do that. Why can't I do it in a family? Because, see, in order for people to change, you have to make them uncomfortable. In order for somebody to change, my wife shouldn't be made uncomfortable by her children. She should be making her children uncomfortable when they're not behaving the way that they should. you all with me? Sure you are. Sure you are. Dale.
16: Uh, hallelujah coach three three things first off first time i met you that's what drew me to you was we always look forward when coach was preaching because that's exactly how you preach what you see is what you get coach you said about that little pat in the back i'm gonna rephrase this proverbs 27 verse 6 says uh faithful are the blows of a friend the wounds of a friend than the pat on the back of an enemy, right? And the pat yeah. on the back of a man, and, and going to that spanking, I always said this, brother. There is a nerve that runs from the gluteus maximus to the cerebral cortex when stimulated properly brings forth revelation. Amen.
4: <laughs> That's right. Bobby Knight said the ass sends a signal to the brain. <laughs> I don't want to sit here. I want to go play. All right, then you're going to do what I told you to do, right? You're going to do, hey, hey friends. We're older. Most of us in here we're older, but you you better understand. You can see the pattern in your grandchildren. You see the pattern, and you have to break the pattern. We have so many men who are bossed by women. I'm sorry, Michelle. When Michelle came home yesterday, I gave her a big. I said, "Boy, it's good to see you." And we are immediately chirping at each other. And I said, "Man, I didn't have anybody to argue with while you were gone." Right? But in our relationship, as uh, Dale Sosha says, my wife runs the house. I run the home. I know my boundary. She knows her boundary. We have that clearly laid out. And the problem many of you are dealing with your families is those boundaries have never been drawn. I'm going to try to talk about that tomorrow. Go ahead, Craig.
17: Getting back to Dion Sanders, coach, you know, there's a geography change. So let's look at the geography where he went to. He went to Boulder, <laughs> Colorado. Okay. Well, the
4: Boulder birthplace, Colorado. by the way, hang on, Craig. The birthplace of promise keepers. Boulder, Colorado, the birthplace of promise keepers. Go ahead.
17: Right and i think this sunday was about reclaiming the land right so the geography is pretty important where you're at Mm -hmm. so what you know boulder colorado is really not too really far from what denver well what did they build out in denver here back in the 90s well it was denver airport right so let's look at some of the uh, iconic structures that we have here we have a a 32 foot blue horse with red eyes in it that's supposed (laughs) to represent the frontier right okay because they're the broncos well, I've been around a few horses, and I've never seen a blue one with red eyes before. Mm. Then go to uh, the outside where they put the uh, airport in, and you have the Masonic uh, 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 granite stone. that They have a capsule in 2094 for the uh, folks that are living there. Then you just look at the structure of all the different uh, I iconic different weird murals that you walk through the airport and then as you're going to get your baggage you have a gargoyle that sticks up over your head as you're as you're getting your baggage so maybe there's something uh, a little bit ironic that's going on there with the airport that has to do with the spiritual and of course we know about all the underground types of things that they have going on there it's the backup center area for the uh, united states government if it goes down So then you go back and you go a little bit further south and you go to what? Colorado Springs. Well, what's the Colorado Springs? It's the Air Force Academy. So what makes the Air Force Academy a little bit unusual is its chapel. Well, guess what that chapel is? It has tetrahedrons, okay, a hundred of them. And uh, that building there, it's uh, it's a multi-layer building. So you have the Protestants who uh, sit on the first floor and you got a Catholic part, you got a Buddhist part. Uh, you got a Hindu part. You got all. They all meet together and have service in one building at the same time. Can you imagine having the temple <laughs> uh, that God built and have a Hindu service while you're mm-hmm. having the sacrifices at Passover? It's not going to go there. But you know what's really interesting when you study the structure of that tetrahedron of that chapel for the Air Force Academy. You look at it on a computer and guess what it looks like. A pyramid, mm. it's always surprise, going surprise, back to surprise. Egypt. It's going back to Egypt. It's always going about the gods. God's always resided in the mountains. Where is Denver at the base of the Rocky Mountains? And I'm sure Randy could probably say something about Denver, Colorado, about what he saw.
4: So, so uh, there. deon Sanders, if you watch that 60 minutes interview, if Johnny, if you would put that in the chat, if you watch that whole interview. The guy at at sixty minutes says, "Well, golly, why did you, why did you leave Jackson State? All those players that believed in you and all that kind of stuff." You know what he said? He said my assignment was done. My assignment was done, and God told me He had a bigger assignment for me. God lays out our plans. He said, "Wow, huh? Wow."
17: So. He might be reclaiming the land over there. Coach. Well,
4: who, know, right, who knows, right? Boulder, folks, Boulder, Colorado is lib central. There's not a more liberal city in America than Boulder, Colorado. 1% white or black, 1% black. And friends, don't miss this. That was the birthplace of promise keepers. Coach Bill McCartney was the football coach at the University of Colorado where the first Promise Keeper event was held in that stadium where Deon Sanders is
6: now bringing the gospel back into Boulder, Boulder. We well, could go right there. What's that?
4: Boulder. Amen.
6: Boulder. Amen.
4: Yes, he's going to crush Satan. Right? He's going to crush him. Stones are going to cry out. Boulders crying out. My goodness,
13: he's being crushed, Cody. We've reclaimed territory.
4: That's right. And Deion Sanders is reclaiming territory. And they're and so stupid, a, they don't understand it. They think it's about football.
16: And there should be a rock hewn out of the mountain, brother, a You're boulder a out of the mountain.
4: Boulder! <laughs> and what? He is bolder too, isn't he? He's bold with the gospel. He's telling the gospel to those players. He's living the gospel to those players. By the way, the same thing they tried to run me out of town for doing. Remember, we're in cycles, right? We're in cycles. We're not linear. There's a new cycle. The sun's coming up. Right now, do you have any idea how many jobs Deion Sanders could probably get? you have any idea? (laughs) Why? Because he did the old Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Huh? You're playing for me. I ain't playing for you. Huh? You don't play for me? This is what you got to do. Mary Beth, come in, then Roger.
2: Just one more thing on the, uh, if you're, my my friend Margaret, 90-year-old friend Margaret from church used to say the same thing you did, only there was a little addendum at the beginning. So if you're early, you're on time. And if you're on time, you're late. And I'll you're tell late. you what, that stuck with me. It that stuck right. with me. And also, you know, it kind of just, it really does show you with what that player that you were talking about, how God chastises those whom he loves, you know, and that's what we need. So, so let let me tell you
4: something. Let me ask you something, folks. I know you get ready to hit the binger. This is like jeopardy. Ding, 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 ding. Get ready to hit hit the binger. How many of you deal with somebody who's perpetually late? Consistently late. Wait a minute. Let me stop a minute. How about you? you consistently late. Time doesn't mean anything to you. And so I get I get in my bedroom and I'm getting dressed as fast as I can because I'm supposed to be there at 10 o'clock and I only got five minutes to get there got to hurry. And then there you are. You say, oh, man, I'm supposed to be there at 10, Well, I guess I'll be a little late because you don't have enough damn respect for me to get there on time. And then what I put up with, oh, don't worry about him. He's always late. What? Yeah, he's always late. Well, What, what do you mean he's always late? Well, he's always late because you let him always be late. See, next time you're late, you ain't gone. Next time you're late, you ain't. I ain't waiting. I'll see you there, right? And what everybody around me knows, I'm a, I'm a strict stickler on time. Why? Cause if I set a time, it matters. If it matters to me, it should matter to you. And if it doesn't matter to you, then I don't matter to you. Or at least have the decency to call, say, hey, I'm running late. Sorry, I'm running late. How many of you out there are late? Stop being late. You know what Michelle did? I love her so much. And she moved the clock in her car ahead 10 minutes. So she always thought she was 10 minutes late. And it gets her there on time. I said, how's that work, honey? You know that's 10 minutes. I did something, something. I don't know.
6: I don't know. Roger.
7: Well, um, we all bring our own fallenness of sin into these conversations every morning. So my foundation is not built on comments of knowing everything is right, but I'm fallen too. But my problem has been with my kids over the years is um, I get too emotional at times. I think there's a time for some emotion. Don't get me wrong. There's a time probably as a coach that you got to rear up and lay it out. But I think for me, I have to be a better judge of judging the emotional level I need to be at.
8: Yeah,
4: that's true.
7: The other night I had some issues in the household here and I just went the wrong direction too quick. I I could have been just as effective if I just would have remained calm and laid out what the issue was and not think I have to defend it. We always think we have to defend it. Yeah. The the next thing I would add is, if people, and I've shared this before, the number of 25 to 30-year-old men who come to my office with a legal issue and their mom comes with them, I can't stress enough to the mothers that are listening and the grandmothers that are listening, check your situation. If you are doing that, stop it. That's right. If you've got to drive them there, maybe okay. But stay in the car, <laughs> okay? So, right. again, I, I build all of my comments. I'm a fallen believer at times. But, uh, but it doesn't, shouldn't prevent us from sharing our experiences. But uh, I see it in my office all the time. And for me personally, I've got to keep control of my emotion. I can go too quick when maybe if I just remain calm, it would be just as effective.
4: Amen. Amen. Hey, Jonathan, pull up that clip from Deion Sanders again. Start that. I want you I want you to hear it again, because I want to make a comment. Joe Allen, go ahead, Joe Allen. He's pulling that up.
11: Yeah, we all talk about our careers and what we've done in the past. Coaching, being a father, job experiences. In 1989, I was a deputy sheriff in in, uh, in Atlanta. We had to pull security at the Atlanta, Atlanta Fulton Stadium there because they were showing the all the players were showing their cars, meet the people, you know, the community. And Deion Sanders was coming around telling us deputies and PDs, thank you for, uh, you know, being here and stuff like that. And he asked me, coach, what do you think about this? I told them, looked them right in the eyes. I told them, I said, if these players cared as much about their cars and being on this field playing, because they weren't doing so hot, they would do a lot better in their play. If they cared as much about their cars, like they're doing right here on in this park a lot. Amen. <laughs> so get out there and stand and listen to what Coach is saying. Enough that's said. That's
4: right. that's right. I'm the coach, right? So play this again. Look, he draws, bow- I'll get you, Clint, stay there. He draws boundaries. Go ahead.
3: An open market for athletes to find new schools.
4: I promise you, it's my job to get rid of them.
3: And make room for superior talent he planned to bring in. More than 50 players eventually transferred out. You got here and you didn't pull punches. You told some of these have guys. I, have
15: I ever? You take a team that's won one game. And you fired a whole coaching staff. So, who did the coaching staff recruit? The kids. So, the kids are just as much to blame as the coaching staff. And I came to the conclusion that a multitude of them couldn't help us get to where we wanted to go.
3: You told most of these Mm. guys the more you jump in, the more room you're going to make. Stop that.
4: Multitude of them could not help us get to where we wanted to go. Are you listening, pastors? Do the people know where you wanna go? Cause having a whole bunch of people in there that ain't going the same direction you're going, you ain't gonna get there. Go ahead.
18: Those
3: of you we don't run off, we're gonna try to make you quit. Yeah, You made it very clear. Yeah,
15: now if you went for that, if you was, were able to let words run you off, you ain't for us because we're old school staff. We coach hard, we coach tough, we're disciplinarians. So if you're allowing verbiage to run you off because you don't feel secure with your ability, you ain't for us.
3: If some kid said, you know what, no, I'm staying, you're not going to run me off with your words. Right. Stay. So Prove it. I'm sure that your straight talk was appreciated by some, but is, is this scorched earth policy good for, for college football or for the kids? I think truth is
15: good for kids. We're so busy lying, we don't even recognize the truth no more in, in society. We want everybody to feel good. That's not, that's not the way life is. Now, it is my job to make sure I have what we need to win. That right. makes a lot of people feel good. Winning does.
3: I, I got to push back on this. You're a you're father of college right. athletes. Yes. If they called you and say, hey, we got a new coach, and they're telling me to get in the transfer portal.
15: i say, son, you must, be, you, you must not be doing well. That's what you said You must not be doing well, because you should be an asset and not a liability. I'm honest
4: with my kids. His kids. Okay, his hang words. on. So, folks, so, are you an asset or a liability? Are you an asset or a liability? One or the other. And I can promise you this. If the the problems that you're dealing with, it's you. It It, it,
8: isn't, <laughs> it isn't your son. It isn't your daughter-in-law. It's you. Hmm? Yeah. Come on in, Clint. Oh, I lost him. He'll come back in.
5: See, this is this is no, straight. No, down. I got you. I got you, Coach. I pressed the wrong button. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I remember. I, I don't follow football very close. I, I watch it, and I know a little bit about what's going on. And but but you when were a I, great,
4: Clint, you were a great football player in your day. Let's let's be
5: let's be honest here. You were a great football well, player. Go well, ahead. let let me tell you why I was a decent football player. In middle school, I had a coach. He was a consistent coach, Ronnie Royston, and he loved us. He was the hardest SOB that you could ever walk under, but he inspired me because I knew that he loved me. And even when I went up in high school, if Ronnie was ever on the sidelines, I mean, it was just like, it was unbelievable. I would die for him on the field. And when I saw the first game uh, beyond um, – what who they play? TCU, I think it was. Yeah. yeah okay. the, and, TCU
4: was in the national championship game. <clears throat> one.
5: Yeah. And, and they did a segment on him, and I, I watched him, how he was hugging those kids and how – I said, he loves those kids. Yep. And I've never seen – a coach on a national level that truly cared about and and he said just just what you just uh just showed he loves them enough to tell them the truth he loves them enough to make them winners
2: he that's loves right.
5: them enough and that's what made me come to you is i knew that you loved the people you ministered to
4: Amen.
5: and and it was just like, you, make, you made me feel alive. And I'm not here to stroke you, but I'm just telling you the truth. Amen. And, you know, if people don't understand, them candy pastors don't love them. They love themselves. Yes, sir. And they will not put their butt on the line for you. They just want to keep themselves comfortable. And, you know, I don't know. It's. Amen. I, I still think about Ronnie Royston mm. and what, what he did to me. And, and what and he did I, for
4: you, what he did for yes, you. Yeah. Yes. It didn't feel good. Didn't feel good when he did it, probably.
5: No. And I played under Ert Russell. and Ert Russell didn't love his players like that. He inspired them. He was a great motivator. But I wouldn't have died for Ert Russell like I would Ronnie Royston.
4: And that's something? Boy, it's all relationship, isn't it? It's all relationship and boundaries. we got a lot to it, learn on that
5: one. And it's all about the truth. And that's what, that's what Dion said. I love them enough to tell them the truth.
4: Yep. You ain't good enough. You ain't yep. working hard enough. You ain't good enough. Right.
5: Yep. Cause you know that's what? It. You
4: know what else, Clint? I got an obligation to these other guys on the team and I ain't going to put you out there if you want to play like that. Amen. You
5: know? That's exactly. And, 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 and that's what I try to pastor with. I, you know, I, I, I don't play around. I, I, you know, you, you, yep. you coined, you gave me the phrase addition by subtraction and, and that's, that's right. you know, that's it.
4: Velvet, velvet hand, man. Thundering velvet hand. Yes. Love you, Clint. Thanks, man. Tim Tubra. Go ahead, Tim, then
1: Jeff. So uh, I took a bunch of men to Promise Keepers there at Colorado when Coach was there. Yep. I came home, and my mentor, Dr. Eno, said to me, so, Tim, you think that's going to change a man's life? He said, Promise Keepers will be defunct in two more years. I said, what? There's <laughs> thousands of men. He said, it'll be defunct in two years. And I said, why? He said, because pastors don't disciple men. And uh, he said, a man cannot keep a promise. A man breaks his promise. So it'll be defunct in two years. Well, that changed my thinking as a pastor. Now, I had a church we pioneered with five people, and it grew to over 200 people. And the pastors in my town called us the Garbage Can Church. (laughs) <laughs> and all the misfit, druggies, uh people went to that church. But the funny thing about it was all these people tried to transfer to my church from other churches. Hmm. It all came from First Church. But they tried to make First Church, I mean, my church look like First Church.
14: Oh, so I yeah. told them. <laughs> I said, if you don't
1: like it here, dole to door hit you on the butt on your way out of here. <laughs> and people used to say, you can't say that to people. And I said, well, wait a second. I'm the pastor. I started this place. If I listen to everybody else, it ain't gonna happen. And guess what? Two years later, Promise Keepers was defunct. Hmm. It was over. Right? But what? I kept on discipling men. And the funny thing about that, 30 years later, I still have some of those men who are my good friends. Wow. Oh. You know what I'm saying? I'm not pastoring yeah. anymore, but these guys still call me and say, Hey, how you doing? So, so,
4: so, Tim, here's one of my experience with the Promise Keepers, and I've told this to, you know, everywhere I go. Uh, Bill McCartney's had the vision of Promise Keepers. Like I said, I was just the first one. I went to the very first ever Promise Keepers. I was there. And he had a manly vision. And You know what happened, Tim? What? He invited the pastors in. And the pastors, remember, don't bite as a puppy, you don't bite as a dog. They did, hey, Tim, they didn't know how to disciple men. They didn't know how to do it. Yeah, exactly. And so promise keepers became soft. Remember they took a million men, marched to D.C.? Anybody remember that? Promise keepers went to Washington, D.C.? But they didn't touch the moral issues. They didn't want to touch the moral issues. Well, that wasn't Bill McCartney. That was a sissy pastors. They didn't want to touch the moral issues. The church is about morality. The church is the salt of the earth. If the church doesn't touch moral issues, who's going to?
13: Yeah, what are we here for?
4: That's right. That's right. Why did I go to Promise Keepers? Well, I'm not going to keep my promises. Thanks, Tim. That's good insight, Jeff, and then Brian.
10: Coach, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. We had a kid on the when I was coaching high school baseball at Mount Vernon. His name was Johnny. Get that? We always have a Johnny. Johnny, I watched him through little league, through Babe Ruth, all the way up. Stud pitcher, stud outfielder, stud catcher, stud hitter. He and always cocky. We come into the freshman baseball team at Mount Vernon that year. He Johnny was my number one in rotation and pitching. He was a stud. First game of the year, big walnut comes into Mount Vernon field, and Mount Vernon's always twenty-two and two usually. It was always pretty good. So Johnny's out there. We get first inning of the game. Johnny, he pitched the first half of the inning. We come up to bat. Johnny's leadoff hitter, too. Johnny has a hard hit ball to ground shortstop, a bang, bang play at first base. I mean, he was, it was close. Johnny was so ticked. He come off first base. He got called out, and he threw his helmet from first base, clear into the dugout, rattled the walls of the dugout, could have took, hurt a kid when the, if you hit him in the head. And you know how umpires always come out to a coach, and if the coach gets out of hand, the umpire comes out and just throws the coach out of the game. I come down third baseline. That's my stud. I come down third baseline. And I said, Johnny, you're out of here. I threw that kid out of the game first inning. <laughs> and, oh, my son looked at me over at first base, and He looked like that. I said, get Luke warmed up. Johnny's out of here. The silence in that dugout. Uh-huh. But, you know we went on to win that game, and Johnny, if he'd have had a gun in that dugout, he'd have shot me. He was so mad. His, all the parents were out there, and mm. I told this boy the first thing. But you know we went on to win the game. Johnny had never had a problem with him all year, and we ended up twenty-two and two. But it Amen. proved a lesson to him. So
4: here's the thing: is what I say to you. it's a good lesson for you out there, parents. One of us is going to be happy. Me or you? And I choose me. we in. Good morning.
12: Morning. So when you talked about the uh, clock uh, being 10 minutes early, it reminded me of I had placed my clock in my car 10 minutes early to make sure that I got to work a little before, so I'd be on time a little early. And uh, one day I walked in. And people looking at me go, hey, where you been? You're late. No, I'm not late. Yeah, yeah, you're late. They, I look up at their clock and, yeah, I'm late. I go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. So it's bugging me the whole day. I get home that night, realize my husband used my car. I said, hey, did you mess with my clock? He goes, yeah, it was 10 yeah. minutes off. I go,
2: no, it wasn't off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
8: Thanks for, thanks for helping. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like I said to my wife, how do, how do you play a mental game like that? You know the clock's wrong. How do, how do you do that in your
8: head? You know the clock's wrong. Right? Put the clock at the right time and obey the time. Crazy. Myra. Can't hear you.
12: Coach. Yes, Coach. Thank you. God bless you.
8: No, uh, sorry, for the, so,
12: sorry
4: for the rough start this morning, folks. I couldn't help it. Go ahead.
12: <laughs> That's okay. I had a rough start, too, but I, we, we, we made it. Uh, Titus 2, 11, 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation have appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in his present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purity from himself. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. And He always talk about peculiar people. And Randy Lansford talks about the seal of God in us and mm-hmm. that's what you do you, you do everything giving it all to jesus so god bless you, brother
2: amen thank you eileen come on in good morning uh when i stopped practicing law i made a commitment that a i would always be early because law- lawyers are notoriously late because they the co- whole system that's no respect for the clients, the That's the right. cases. And number two, that I would always return phone calls within twenty-four hours, whether I want to talk to the person or not. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. Because it again, it creates negativity, anxiety, all you know, and as we talked about energy and frequency and vibrations, just negative. And when I hired a business coach, she uh, instilled in me to always call. No texting. Call first. Leave a message if they don't answer so people can hear your voice. They can hear your heart. 90% of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And then text and say, listen, I left you a voicemail. Listen, yep. You know, call me when you get a minute. Yep. And those that's three great. rules.
4: Boy, yeah, really that's great. Been, Do you guys understand so she remember. said do You understand what she said? If you call and leave a message, they'll hear in your voice that you're not angry or oh, they'll hear in your- vo- whatever, and then they're more likely to call you back what well, oh, I want a great that's a great coaching tip right there, yep, as opposed to calling and say, "Hey, give me a call when you get a chance like oh I ain't ready for that one right Well, that's a good tip amen Craig and then Dale boom uh
17: getting back to the uh the clock thing so why is it five ninety nine? Because you put the five first, but it's really six, right? So we're supposed to take every thought captive and not be ignorant of the devil's devices, right? Right. So we know that the devil bumps everything right up to the very edge of what truth is, and we say, That's a five dollar and ninety-nine cent piece of whatever. No. It's a six dollar piece of whatever you're getting to do it because you're not ignorant of and his that, devices and you take every
4: thought captive. Amen. Amen. This is simple, isn't it? Yeah. So, like when you're dealing with your wayward children, I, I tell say it to Michelle all the time, they know the truth. What, what? What? They know the truth and they're not doing it. And then I compromise. That's the way it works. They do they do something that they know is wrong, and then I compromise. I think we got this backwards, don't we? I think Dale and Steven.
16: Uh, hallelujah, Coach. You know, there's a time and a point. You know, uh, I always do this. You know, we were talking about Coach. You're, I, I honestly, if you could see my face at times when I see you boiling, and I'm, I'm I smile. I actually <laughs> smile because I know you're stirring up something inside of somebody else. And listen, that's not to retaliate. It's to take it out on the field. You know, there is a time and a season for for exactly that. And we absolutely need those sternum. I, I, and so it makes me go back and think, I wonder when, when Samson had the jawbone of an ass, right? And he was swinging that thing, killing Philistines by the thousands. I think about this. Listen, brother, that wasn't a lightsaber. That was a bone. Do you, I wonder what, what language was coming out of his mouth. Or when King David, he killed yeah. so many, right, that he couldn't build the temple because of the blood on his hands. He was a man of war. I, I don't know what you, brother, but there is a roar that comes out of people. And guess what? It's not going to always be nice little words that come out. I'm just telling I go back and I look at the biblical people who won these victories. And I say, there's no way they were talking nice, little, soft, eloquent yeah. words when they were doing these things this is a coach this is a battle that picture that i sent you you got to hear this right I- I am so honored to know that my sheriff of over a half a million people responds to me immediately when I when I text him something about that demonic thing, right? Do you, do you know what they're doing, Coach? He He is so against that. They're blocking the street off and doing some construction on the street so people can't down drive, drive <laughs> down that street. And we are planning a church service out there. And you already know what song I'm going to be singing, Romans 16, 19, brother. So we do that. We'll get a couple pictures and some videos and we'll send it to you. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, here's all another good. thing, brother. Here's here's the thing about the water. This is about to happen down here in Louisiana. It's going to affect Louisiana. The drought that has been hitting America is, is because of the water levels low in the Mississippi. Salt water is now coming from the ocean back wow. up the Mississippi, which Uh-oh. makes it impossible for any kind of drinking water. A boil order is already in effect it's, uh, in the... Uh, One of the parishes down there. And so, brother, this is starting to come back up the Mississippi. It doesn't just affect a little city. It's going to affect all the drinking water here.
4: Dale, and the life.
16: life Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Keep keep shouting and roaring, Coach.
4: Thanks, Dale. Uh, Look, I operate in controlled anger. Uncontrolled anger is not good. And here's part of the problem. Many of us don't know the difference. There's some things you ought to be angry about, there's some things you ought to get emotional about. They they teach us in church not to get angry. The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Get it out of you, man. If you're angry about something, voice it, say it. So when I go on a rant, it's controlled anger. I know when I'm out of control. I know when I, I know, you guys know, you know that when your anger isn't righteous, you know, when your anger is fleshly, we need to learn to discern the difference in those two things. We need more righteous anger. It I'm says asking. to
16: be angry and not sin coach. Exactly. Right.
18: We are That's to right. be angry.
4: We are to be angry. Amen. Stephen.
18: It's kind of ironic that you brought that up because a couple of weeks ago I had a deal with my daughter for the first time in 10 years of raising her, where she uh, was screaming, I hate you, and a bunch of other words to me because it was my time to get her, and she wasn't getting her way, and she was trying to manipulate her mom through tears and sober and throwing a fit, and this went on for about 40 minutes, so on my drive from one city to another city, I was extremely angry on the inside, and normally I'm accustomed to just whooping ass and then thinking about things later. And forgive me for saying the word ass, but in that situation, I honestly was kind of fearful of how I was going to handle the situation. So I had to go to the Lord and ask him for counsel how to do this. And through knowledge and wisdom, I was able to still discipline my daughter, but I taught her in that situation that I'm not going to give in to her um, disobedience and her attitude. And if I were to just let her stay so she can go to her friend's um, father's house, then I was teaching her and I explained this to her and I said, i am be teaching you and you can get away with sitting there throwing a fit like this. And this is uncalled for. And I had to discipline her and make her come and had her come with me. And instead of teaching her that, and it was hard because I could have given in to her demands, but I love her and I don't want her to be raised to be a rebellious child, disobedient and thinking that she can just get away with whatever she wants. And so anyways, there's more to that story, but I, uh, it was hard. And thankfully Going to prayer helped me have controlled anger and being able to apply wisdom in that situation. And it actually went better than what I was going to do.
4: Amen. Amen. So hopefully tomorrow I'll talk about boundaries and how that's what I was going to do today. Because, uh, come on, man. Come on, man. We're living in a life. We're being taught in the world that it's okay to make God mad. God just wants you to be happy. He just wants you to be happy then you're never accountable for things that you do that might tick him off or offend him. No, no, he's God. He loves you. It's the same attitude we have with our children. It's not healthy, not healthy. Randy.
19: Coach, we, I wrote something in the chat earlier and it's this, we must define, redefine the meaning of love and what true love is. Yeah, And coach, I want to read a scripture and tie that together. It's 2 Timothy 1, seven. We all know it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Coach, the sound mind it's talking about there is called discipline. It's called discipline. Coach, yes, sir. We, the reason we got, a lot of us football players got something into, instilled in us as young men, and then you carried it on forward as a as an older man, is the discipline of football, coach. Mm-hmm. There's something, you, when you train a horse, every trainer, first thing, good trainer knows, first thing you got to do with the horse is get their mind right. Yeah. Okay, athletes, the same thing, coach. If yeah. you can't, you can't teach fundamentals if a kid doesn't listen and look at you and learn, listen, the three mm-hmm. L's, discipline, look, listen, and learn. That yep. was I use that one, Coach. But we have to see that God is a God of discipline. He He has an army, Coach. And I mean, look at the discipline we displayed this last week, Coach. Yes, sir. I am so grateful that we have people here that can say, you know what? I'm going to plow my row. I'm going to do my job, and and that's that benefits the whole team. We don't see that, Coach, anywhere hardly in the churches. And I'm telling you, there's a connection with discipline and love. You go back to the home, coach. When you love your children, you correct them, you discipline. Right. Them. And God is a God of discipline. You know, it's it's He's a God of order, and He's not a God of chaos. And I'm telling you, everywhere you see a lack of discipline and a lack of if there's a lack of love, and there's there's chaos and disorder. It's because those people don't follow the principles of god so well, it's a
4: misunderstanding of they love, love Randy, and they find, misunderstanding. They find that again coach yeah it's a misunderstanding of love
19: yes yes we don't we have to redefine the word coach they stole the word this every all of this babylonian system that we're fighting their whole uh purpose their whole agenda was to change the words because the words can redefine them and put them in control them in in authority fake authority but and then they just take over and you see that coach right here in oklahoma i'm going to show you an example <clears throat> we got a we got a great stu- superintendent a schools christian man a strong strong guy well, he's going through all these these school boards. He's going through all these school uh, districts, and he's kicking out those woke people. And he has the he has the stones to do it. But, coach, we're finding out now all these these the schools were taking money from China. They're taking money from uh, agendas to push this. They're they're accepting the bride money. So. When people stand up and are strong and they love, they really love, just like Deion Sanders, people pull to that. They run to this. They are going to run to us if we will stand up. Yep, I believe it. I do. And they, they're looking for truth and absolutism and, and discipline. And I'm Stability. telling you, Stability. we hold the power to bring it, and if we will just do it.
4: Amen, baby. <laughs> Huh? Whom the Lord loves, He chasteneth; He disciplines. Amen. Amen. Trent.
13: Yeah, stability. That's crazy. Uh, okay. So, Coach, we do an action. I wonder if you've had teams like this. You go out and win a championship. See, I I coach like summer league and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're not the the kids are not dedicated to us like they would be at a school. You know, right. if that right. makes sense. Yes. So yes. one year we go out there. We come in like second or third in the World Series, of course, crushed. Next year we come out, we win the World Series. The next year we come out, we're lax, they're lax. We get we just can't get it together during that season. We look like trash. Same team. So what is your job, coach? To discipline. Your job is to continue. Well, we won that battle, but that means our battle is not guaranteed to, or our win is not guaranteed the next battle. you got We got to get back out there on the playing field, on the practice field again. You got to start uh, whipping us back into shape. That's a coach's job. If you're lax on us because yep. we just won a game, that doesn't mean yep. we're going to win the next game. No,
14: yep.
13: no. Yep. I mean, no, we got to continue on like how we're doing. Amen. Amen. And see, okay.
4: look, 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 folks. And this would be a whole show to itself. Uh, discipline without love is abuse. So the uh, discipline—it's got to be done in the right way. Some some guys are disciplinarians, and they don't the kids don't see it as love. They don't take it as love. Discipline isn't supposed to be fearful. Although sometimes it's good to use fear. But if your discipline always causes fear, nah, you ain't doing it right, man. You ain't doing it
13: right. Coach, one more thing. Okay, when we were playing football. Well, I was small, and but you teach the big guys too. Well, shoot, blindside that guy. The best hit to make is when that guy is pulling across the field, he's looking the other way, and yep. you get his shoulder and you, you drive him into the dirt. Yep. Next time he comes across the middle, he's not gonna be he's gonna be tiptoeing. He's gonna be scared. And that's somebody has to be scared of God. You know what I mean? Right. Are we going out there? Are we going out there to hurt the enemy? I mean, you know, in a in a spiritual battle, yes, we're going out there to defeat the enemy. Amen. We're not going Amen. out there to make friends with the enemy. That's we right, want to bind inside them.
4: You you want to prepare them, man. You want to prepare them for the battle. Sometimes it hurts.
8: Sometimes it hurts. Amen. But Tom Stout.
14: Amen. Good morning, Coach Hale. I want to back it up to where they was all talking about uh, young men, the tragedy with young men in America today. Uh, One thing that helped me, of course, there was a lot of guys that had no choice. They were drafted, but I enlisted in the Army. Uh And, uh, you know, uh, I went from being a farm boy from Licking County. I was on a bus at midnight, headed to Fort Knox, Kentucky. At two thirty, i arrived and i was there about 10 minutes so i can tell you i wasn't feeling the love at all <laughs> and, I bet. you know there was nobody that was going to come and get me i was on my own and i told my son the same thing i going to join the marina i said you know david starts getting south for you i can't come and get you he said yeah i know that and so we got a lot of young men that are just being saved from all the screw ups, they've made bad decisions and they never have to live with them. That's, right. and, uh, that's, that's one problem we got. And, you know, I think as parents, coaches, whatever we do, you know, we got it. Like you say, let him, let him set in his own filth. Yep. You know, you so yep. yeah. yeah. I, I'll you, help, on it.
4: you let him that's set in it and then you help him to get up and clean up and get up and clean yep. up and move on. Yep. But they gotta right. they gotta sit in their own doo doo, man. They gotta sit in it. That's the only way, huh? Ass to the brain. Your ass on the bench speaks to your brain. That's pre-
13: pretty simple. That's so that's so good, coach. I mean, yep. that is just, that's good. Yep, yep. Amen,
4: amen. Somehow it cuts through all that crap, doesn't it? I'm on the bench. I ain't playing. Okay, coach. I'll do what you want, Craig.
17: Two things, coach. I, I want to talk to you about the keys. So don't let me that okay. because you brought it up we got we, we got we got the system in place we just got to get you on board here okay so cool. um i'm gonna send you this book it's called think like a horse okay so when it comes uh you read it okay because yeah. these are truths are applicable in all things right Absolutely. You, you just pick them up and, and use them right so let's look at that big old horse samson remember old samson i do oh man you, Samson, you know, he to run over you whether you want to or not. So what you do, you know, that's what's neat about this guy that did this, this book about thinking like a horse, right? He goes, first thing is you establish boundaries. So you go to this horse, you don't, you know, you look him in the eye, he looks you in the eye and all this, and you put a lead rope on him and you start walking with him and okay. Is he bumping up against your shoulder? Well, right there, we're going to establish this boundary. No, you're going to walk behind me. All right. So anyways, the, you know, the, the, I'm not going to get all the details of it. But the thing is, is you end up having to think like him so you can communicate with him. And that's what, you know, as a coach, you did that in two. just this is an intuition type thing. You picked this up, whether you understood it or not. And you knew that, OK, we're going to work today for 20 or 30 minutes. And you knew how far to push. And you knew how far not to push. You knew when when to yield a little bit to them, right? So they didn't feel like they were totally out of control. Yet you knew when to pull in the reins when it was like no. And you always looked for their signs. You know, one of the signs with a horse is you know they're being obstinate. You put them in a round pen. It's like okay, let's 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 work. You run for twenty minutes. You're on there behind their ass whipping them. <laughs> you know, and then hey. you let them stop, and, you, and they look at you, and you know what? They start licking their lips. That's the sign that, okay, we're, we're here. And then yep. the other thing that's always a good lesson, right? And this is a good book for anybody who thinks like a horse, right? You always stop on a good note. You always leave. Amen on, on that
4: one, man. Amen on that one. Mm. Always end up on a perfect play and practice, man. You never end on a screw-up, ever, ever. Good point, Craig. Good point. Man, oh, man. Uh, sorry, for, sorry
6: screw oh, up. Hey, season. let me let me yeah.
17: get back to the keys here real quick, Coach. So okay. Gary Pierce, I sent him all the information on how to do this. We we've got it where uh, we the shipping's worked out. So basically, if you buy one key, it's six dollars. If you get up to twenty four keys, it's six dollars shipping and handling. One price for shipping and handling up to twenty four keys, and if you buy over twenty five, it's free shipping. So. It doesn't matter, you know, as long as it's in the continental United States, it doesn't matter how many keys keys you order, right? And we have the keys are $5 a piece. And I believe it was Gina, I have to go back and look at. She's uh, offered to get involved with this where she would take care of the mailing and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to her but oh, maybe the three of us could talk together about it. We'll Let's figure it. it out. Yeah. And then, and then she can be responsible for, you know, the the details of getting them to the people. It might just be getting her the information to it, but that shouldn't be that hard.
4: All right. Cause I want to, I want to have the system up and running good when, when we really, really launch it. And, uh, again, I'm glad my hands aren't involved with it. So, uh, Let's get together and figure out what we need to do here. Because I'm to start. Pushing well, we're, re- we're, we're
17: ready people to go. Love them.
9: When, you're, when, you're ready, love them. when you're
17: ready, we're ready. <laughs> so so we got, we got the whether we ship
4: one, whether we ship one or whether we ship 24, it's six dollars shipping.
5: It's six
17: dollars. Wow.
4: Huh. All right. Cool. Good. Good to know. Okay.
17: And I think yeah. I think people will probably buy four or five at a time. So yeah, I mean, know two or three. Yeah. yeah.
4: You know. So. All right, man. We'll talk. Thanks, Craig.
13: You know, what do you do the first practice you get a team you're trying to make you're trying to make the weak ones quit you're trying to make you already figured out the ones you don't want on the team and you want to you want to run them you want to make them almost quit you know what i mean or yeah. toughen up either one you want and everybody
4: that, on the team but additional yeah, addition that's this right. connection you, that's what that's what dion was saying if you're not here if you're not with us why would we want you we don't why why would you want to be here and why would we want you that's, that's really, that's what it is, right? And so, when when well, it just goes on and on. It's a principle of life. So tomorrow, if I can get around to it, I'm going to talk a little bit about those boundaries because I think they're really important. It's 8.50. I got to run. I, but, hey, listen, I think the pond's holding water, I think. Can't wait to run
8: over and see today. Amen. I'll let you know. See you. Glory. Amen.